Maybe. Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio, as always, by my good good friend and self-proclaimed golf sicko, Mr. Jonathan Teal. Jay Teal, how are we doing this evening, bud? Keith, doing great. A couple weeks into 2021, feeling good about things. Uh, golf, you know, hasn't the weather has not been great the last week, uh, although that never stops Stops me necessarily, but I'm uh, anxiously awaiting these uh, couple days of, of nice weather here, and then looks like the weekend might be decent, but doing well. Uh, excited to be in golf season. Loved watching the uh, Tournament of Champions out in Maui. Now we're going to dive deep into that and a lot of other topics, but yeah, I am uh, doing great. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, you, you mentioned we're, we're essentially two weeks into the new year, right? So we we you know, made a big deal a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, New Year's resolutions from a golf <laughs> perspective. Are we on track? Or I mean, we haven't broken anything yet, have we? Yeah, well, fortunately, ha- I haven't broken anything or haven't uh, di- digressed, I guess you will, uh, with the, I guess, the golf goals specifically. And we didn't really cover any uh, health goals, personal goals and, and whatnot, but yeah, on track for the golf goals. Got got some feelers out on the on the wedge game. Some equipment um, some equipment changes. Uh, did get a, a good range session in with the wedges um, on. I don't know what the last day it was actually decent. Maybe before my round on Sunday. So uh, yeah, feeling good about the resolutions and and haven't uh, haven't had anything where I need to be pep talked yet. But I do I do like the accountability. Maybe you know, maybe not every week. You know, I want to wear yeah, the once a month. Out, maybe that's fair, we'll, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. revisit because so often you know you, you set twenty. 21, uh, I guess, annual resolutions, annual goals, and then you, you look up in December and say, how did I do? And you don't even remember what they were. So. I, I think I've read a report somewhere that, you know, not golf resolutions specifically, but resolutions in general, it's usually in that 10 to 15 day range after the new year when you kind of fall off the wagon. So so maybe timely in the sense that we're asking two weeks in. I will say, you know, people that, excuse my French, but crap on uh, New Year's resolution people, you know, shame on you because if it weren't for New Year's resolutions, a lot of things would not have come about in our world. I can't speak to anything specifically, but think of how, you know, people would not be further along if they'd never set any resolutions. So don't crap on the New Year's resolutions, folks. You know, yeah, they may flame out early, but you never know. They may have something that sticks and goes lifelong and changes the world. So New Year's resolutions are great. You know, maybe mid-year we may have to form some now year's resolutions uh, if we fall off the wagon too bad. But, yeah, keep the accountability up. I like it. I haven't got my clubs regripped yet, so again, it's still plenty of time to do that. And as you mentioned, there hasn't hasn't it been particularly good golf weather. Although, as you mentioned, that didn't stop you from playing on Sunday. You sent you sent me the text invite. I was like, mm, I think I'm going to hang out and watch uh, watch some Super <laughs> Wild Card Weekend here. It's about 42 degrees here. That so. couch was pretty comfy. I bet <laughs> yeah. a lot more comfortable than I was at walking the fairways. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure you guys had a good time, uh, nevertheless. But you, you mentioned the the Century Tournament of Champions, and, and it's been a busy, busy. Newsweek from a golf perspective, but but before we get into that, 
you know, we, we, we've got to show some love to our sponsor. And of course that's our favorite sports bar and oh, that's yeah. chalk sports bar. So to, you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday evening. And so obviously most of our listeners are going to you know download this podcast and listen to it later tonight or Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it is. But you know, kind of a reminder that on Tuesdays chalk does, they do live trivia as yep. well. So that's trivia part of it. Chalk's fun. Always yep. a good time. Thund- Thunder games are back. So obviously uh, the $5 nachos. $5 nachos. Yep. So that's a biggie. That's a biggie as well. And I think they're doing a, a special during Tuesday nights for trivia, at least uh, for the uh, lively, uh, Mexican lager, I think four bucks there on those. So kind of a local beer, a local beer there uh, on on Tuesdays if you're going to get out there on a Tuesday evening. So um, actually go check them out, right? So again, thirteen twenty four West Memorial Road. Uh, follow Ben Chad, the whole chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Always the favorite. That's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. And I think you and I are slated to be up at Chalk on Friday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. We so. are going to make our uh, you know foray back, in, foray back into the wild, uh, out in uh, hanging out at Chalk for a little bit, hang out with a couple of our favorites there, and, and talk a little golf and some other things. But, uh, yeah, you, you, say it, you say it well in our ad read. It's a tremendous atmosphere and definitely is my favorite going to Chalk to – interact with all things sports absolutely absolutely looking forward to being up there friday afternoon to see all the guys and you as well so well, well let's get into it j2 again a busy week from a golf standpoint i guess let's start with the actual golf itself right so let's <laughs> we recap. go a lot of different ways yeah, but we could start with the actual golf that's a lot that's of angles a lot of angles but let's start with the actual golf <laughs> itself the recap of the century tournament of champions harris english his first win since 2013 which i was kind of surprised by that you know i, I obviously recognize the name and know that he's been out there uh, uh, on the tour for quite some time now, but I was shocked to, to read and find out that this was his first win since 2013. He wins in the first playoff hole over uh, uh, Joaquin uh, Neiman, I, I believe. I think Puerto Rican uh, player, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right? Chile. So, Chile. Chile. Oh, Chile. All right. I'm getting my flags missed up there. Uh, but uh, wins on the first playoff hole there. Uh, both those guys finished 25 under, so some low scores there as well, but kind of just some opening thoughts uh, and recollections, as I know you watched a lot of this tournament. Again, kind of that primetime golf, but your thoughts on the century. Buddy. You know, it's interesting. I watched a ton of... Uh, now, everybody knows that I watch a lot of golf anyway. I would say that it wouldn't quite start to finish each time because the being in the evenings, there are some parenting responsibilities that get in there and uh, take a little bit of a break to put kids to bed and the like. But, you know, anytime prime time golf is going on, that really helps a lot because, you know, work day is over, be able to be at home, kind of enjoy uh, relaxing a little bit. And uh, that certainly is what I did. I soaked in a lot of this starting Thursday afternoon or I guess Thursday after work uh, through Sunday night. And I was really the same way as you. I knew it had been a while since Harris English had won, but didn't know it had been seven years because, you know, one of my favorite, uh, hopefully folks know that it's kind of a bit by now, but of the fall or this past year has been that, you know, Harris English is absolutely flushing the golf ball. He is hitting it so well, just striping it. And so to see uh, one of the fun kind of jokes of the year come to fruition and, in the flusher uh, winning an actual tour event uh, was pretty cool. And uh, Joaquin Neiman being one of the youngest guys out on tour in terms of uh, winners out on tour, uh, giving him a push with a kind of a nine under 64 on Sunday. Uh, was, it was fairly good theater, uh, even though they're from a couple of non-household names. Yeah, it, it's, it's been beat up a lot uh, over the past few days, but the uh, it's very PGA Tour-like that this tournament is called the Tournament of Champions and Harris English has actually not won a tournament in quite some time. <laughs> kind and of a misnomer there, right? Comes up and wins out in Maui. But uh, absolute kudos to him. 
really start to finish, he just looked completely in control, hitting his spots, and when you get a hot putter going along with that kind of ball striking, you're going to put up a really good number, 25 under par. Uh, his worst round of the of the week was his uh, 69 that he put up on Sunday and uh, got it done in the playoff by hitting a couple just absolute stellar shots down the 18th hole. So great first tournament of the season. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, as run-of-the-mill PGA Tour golfers go, good to see somebody have a little emotion there and be happy about getting back in the winner's circle. And, again, we have we mentioned it uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of the coolest trophies in golf, and, and maybe all of Very sports, right? So that, cool. that kind of blue glass under the well, jumping into the well, it's really, really neat. I, 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 I don't know. I'm kind of a trophy nerd, right? So I've got some trophies for fantasy football and all kinds of other goofy crap, so I nerd out on that stuff. But you, you mentioned – um, uh, Neiman's 64, a nine under 64 on Sunday, J Teal. So, you know, that <laughs> people, of, yeah. people are counting their, their, the strokes there on their fingers, trying to add that up. It's like, wait, is it a par 73? You know, kind of one of the, the nuances or, or kind of a strange, uh, you know, not run of the mill, uh, set up there that we see there on the plantation course is that it is a par 73, you know, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, we don't see that very often, right? Do not see it very often. And you know, we could go down a little bit of a uh, golf nerd wormhole in terms of uh, par being really irrelevant, right? So really all that matters is how quickly you can get the ball in the hole, whether that be three strokes, four strokes, five strokes, etc. But a par 73 as it goes on the PGA Tour is very unusual. You get a lot of par 70s, 71s, and 72s. And that just goes to show you that uh, these guys – are playing a game which none of us are really familiar with and not only the distance they can hit the ball, but how long uh, their irons are, how precise they are, how good they are around the greens. And when you look at the length of the holes per se, and those add up to, you know, par 73 based on standard lengths, uh, it's, you know, it's not inaccurate that it's a par 73 in terms of standard distances. But really, this course for these guys, as you can see from the leaderboard, really plays much less, you know, real par for these guys is, is probably a 70, maybe even a 69. I mean, I don't know if we talk, we're going to talk about this later, but when dead last in the tournament finishes at minus four for the week, you know that uh, the par really is kind of an irrelevant thing, and it's just a matter of how quickly can you get the ball in the hole. So um, I, I would not let that kind of quirkiness of the par 73 uh, distract folks on what an awesome golf course that the plantation course is. I uh, really enjoyed it. I uh, really enjoyed watching it. And uh, even though it was an, I don't know, you probably refer to it as an easy setup. I think that. Uh, well, easy for me. Yeah. yeah, easy for you. The views, the uh, way that you can kind of see the ball moving uh, on the ground, that sort of thing makes it really cool. And so uh, it's a, it's a course that's honestly pretty high on my bucket list based on Corin Crenshaw redoing it a few years ago. And then just uh, what you cannot ignore being those great views of the ocean, the mountains, the volcanoes, et cetera. Yeah, the elevation changes, I think, were, were really noticeable as well. You know, we saw some of the tee shots of these guys, you know, ripping it off the tee, and they hit it 300 anyways. But you know, those elevation drops just felt like the ball was in the air forever. And so some some bomb tee shots, I mean, just way down the fairway. Uh, and you mentioned, again, it played 7,600 yards or right at it. So it is a, a longer course per se, but uh, certainly didn't uh, dissuade the guys from going low in that regard. And, and I guess we, we should mention, you know, maybe some some other notables out there. Jay Till, you know, you got your – uh, uh, X-Man, Xander, right? So uh, he and, uh, and, and your boy, 
uh, uh, Sung Jai, right? They finished tied for fifth. Ryan Palmer in there at uh, at a tie for fourth, right? So low numbers, right? Twenty one under, twenty three under. Uh, some some really really low scores. Really out took there it deep. You yeah. you would you would expect guys that are really good ball strikers like Xander Sung Jay. You know Ryan Palmer really is that his game is ball striking. He's really had a nice career, and uh, when he gets hot with the putter like he did this week, is when he tends to jump up at that top ten. And so ball striking is at a premium. And, you know, really they didn't have a lot of wind this week. Generally, Kapalua is known as a windy event. It got got up a little bit on Sunday, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it laid down, and you could tell because they were taking it deep. And so, yeah, great leaderboard, which, you know, it should be. This whole this tournament is uh, either champion this year. It's normally all champions from the previous year. Uh, which leads to a lot of top players playing. But also this year they went with uh, anybody that made the Tour Championship, which, again, cream of the crop. So you would expect a great leaderboard from a field of only great players, but certainly that uh, shirred out when it come to the top 10. Uh, really just good on the whole line. Uh, top 10 players in the world, top 20 players in the world. Impressive leaderboard, fun tournament. Uh, <clears throat> sent out a tweet this week just saying this, this really is one of my probably top three uh, non-majors, uh, looking forward to watching. And it, it, it bared out this week, and I was excited about it. Hopefully everybody got some time for some uh, Aloha Golf. Yeah, absolutely. And it is one of the more enjoyable tournaments to watch on television because of the visuals, right? So that, that's kind of really neat. And I know that's one of the things that I think we may be talking about on the pod next week or maybe in the week, you know, two weeks down the road, kind of some our, our, our fun or most enjoyable, if you will, non-major tournaments, right? So we might have a little, yeah. uh, some special guests join us and, uh, well, and talk a little that, bit know, about we that. Do, we yeah. do kind of, everybody does 2021 previews, that sort of thing. But, you know, we, we're not going to let it in with one episode. Let's kind of keep talking about what we have to look forward to and maybe some tournaments that you wouldn't uh, even normally watch. We like to highlight some of those things because everybody tunes into the majors. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of a tease for our future pod, just talking about uh, what else is coming up that folks should tune into that are, you know, we golf sickos favorite non-majors to to take interest in. Yep, absolutely. And so I guess, you know, elephant in the room, JT, we got to talk about this. The the man who finished in third place alone, uh, and that's your former namesake, JT Justin Thomas, right? <laughs> yeah, former. yeah, former former namesake. I, I think would be maybe a fair way to put this here. Uh, he finishes in third alone, right? At a great score, twenty four under, misses the playoff by by one stroke uh, in that regard. But he kind of made the headlines for the wrong reasons, and uh, obviously, mic- microphones are everywhere now. And in golfers are are accustomed to, or, or perhaps it's maybe accepted with regards to cursing and some of the things that kind of go on whenever you hit a bad shot, but. Probably stepped over the line on this one, and he he certainly is, is catching some flack for it. But I know you've got some thoughts on it, bud. So I want to tee you up here and, and let you fire away. But Justin Thomas, uh, probably in the uh, in the in the naughty zone this week, right? Well, I think you can remove the word probably uh, from from your last two statements. He is absolutely in that zone. Just I don't know. Massive disappointment is probably how I would sum it up, at least for me personally. And I, I think that folks who are fans of JT and fans of the PGA Tour in general uh, tend to be fans of JT, and so a lot of disappointment. Uh, man, I, it could go so many different ways with this. I think that um, you know he did come out immediately after the round, didn't have to be asked to, just stepped up and, and apologized, uh, which is you know good on him. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, kind of, kind of. at least he hit it head on, right? So is that he wasn't going to avoid it. We need to address this immediately after the round. Yeah, he so, did. Yeah. And, the th- you know, the thing is, you know, there are just, 
there are very few words in, in this day and age that absolutely should not be in a person's vocabulary. And he said one of them and said one of them in a, in a really bad way. And, you know, it's just, I think it's, it's frustrating to me because there are very few sports figures in general, uh, definitely golfers to kind of root for as somebody who you'd kind of, you'd want to hang out with, but they're at the top of their game. Um, JT seems or maybe seemed uh, like one of the few uh, who kind of, you know, he definitely wasn't a choir boy by any, any stretch of the imagination, but just wouldn't do stupid, stupid stuff. And this absolutely falls uh, in that category. Just cannot, uh, you know, say how disappointed I am to, to have him uh, say something say like that. And, and it is tough, right? Because, you know, who am I or we or what to be kind of the morality guy or morality police? You know, who am I to judge anybody about you know, things that they say? And, you know, ultimately, you, you shouldn't say a lot of things. There are certain things you cannot say. And, again, he, he said one of those. And so, yeah, it's just a shame Honestly, probably good for him that he didn't win the golf tournament because it would have been even more media that he would have had to do, even more scrutiny. Uh, I say maybe it would have been better if he would have won and he would have had to address it even in a bigger head-on way. And I think the hard part, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but you know, he's apologized, and I don't think that that is necessarily going to be, quote, good enough. Uh, it's definitely something he needed to do, and he did it in the right way. And, you know, that, what should he do next? That, that, that's been, uh, I've read a lot of stuff over the past 48 hours. A couple of folks have even, you know, said to me, like, what do you think he should do? You know, it comes down to, is he, is he actually sorry or is he sorry that he got caught right, doing right. it? And so I, I, I lost a lot of respect, disappointed something. Uh, am I, you know, I'm not canceling JT. I think he's uh, too good of a golfer. He's too fun to watch on the golf course to just say, well, because he made this, mistake if it is one mistake um hopefully he'll grow from it and you know not not make that mistake in the future but the whole like what should he do next i don't know man a lot of, a lot of ideas being thrown out there in short like you know regardless of your stance on the on the actual issue or your beliefs on the issue like he's, he's got to get in touch with uh you know what it's like to i don't know man be if you had somebody in your sphere uh, whether that's work, life, personal, that uh, you know, is is homosexual, like you you wouldn't have that as the, like on the tip of your tongue you know, where it's going to come out in frustration. So it's tough. I don't have any. Uh, don't claim to be the guy that's going to tell him what he should do. Certainly not going to be morality guy. But uh, I will say that it's a bad deal, and he shouldn't have said it, and uh, he should get every bit of discipline that that comes from it yeah and speaking of discipline you think about you know restitution right trying to make it right hey look this was a mistake i did something wrong i apologize for it let's how how can i how can i be better how can i make it right but you know officially haven't haven't heard anything from the pga with regards to some sort of formal punishment right whether it be a fine or, or whether it be you know maybe a suspension or, or whatever uh, kind of goes along with that but that's not uncommon well, right it's not uncommon it's funny you bring bring it up because you won't hear anything because the pga tour has a very strict, for lack of a better word, stance that they do not release information when they do penalize somebody, whether that be, you know, you know I don't know, 15 years ago, VJ was in trouble for, you know, abuse, uh, not abuse substances, excuse me, like uh, banned substances when it comes to performance enhancing right. stuff, didn't know what happened with him. When Dustin Johnson was uh, taking a leave of absence, didn't know anything that come of that from a, a discipline standpoint. So unless they radically reverse course off of this particular issue, you're not going to hear 
from the PGA Tour, how they disciplined him or if they did at all. Uh, but the bottom line is whatever does come of that, he uh, absolutely, I'm sure, will take it uh, seriously and uh, uh, not deserves, isn't it? This is not the word to use, but he, 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 he needs to be disciplined because, again, regardless of your stance on the issue, you can't. There are certain things you cannot say, and if you say those things, I don't care who you are. You you need to be disciplined by whoever your you know governing body is, for lack of a better term. Yep, I, I agree. And, and again, I, I would hope that that he will learn from it, that he will get better, and that he will make it right, uh, whatever that restitution may look like moving forward. Because uh, he he has been a guy that's been easy to root for, and I and I hope that that continues. Right, that you don't want this. You know, you mentioned you know we're not going to cancel him per se uh, because he is a relatively uh, a young man and, and has a lot of uh, good good golf years in, ahead of him, but hopefully just a lot of good person years as well. Sure. Right? So uh, what uh, what he's going to do and what he has done uh, away from the course. Uh, and so hope that that, uh, that shines through and, uh, Hey, it's a mistake. Uh, he learns from it and moves on. And, uh, uh that's the whole, uh, best that we can probably hope for. Well, yeah, so. So, so not to, not to belabor it. And we spent a lot of time on it, but I do think that, you know, not just in this day and age, just in general, like you, the bottom line is just be nice to everybody and don't say demeaning things to anyone about anybody. And you're going to be fine. Right. And so he, he kind of needs to look in the mirror and it's not about getting caught on Mike. It's about don't say that stuff, and you'll be fine. Yep. So. Well, speaking of somebody that uh, has continuously put their foot in their mouths over the last <laughs> last four years, Jay Till, pol- politics aside here, uh, let's let's segue into a lot of the big news stories this week, my friend. And, and obviously, there was a lot of happenings in D.C. Um, that, that over the last week that uh, we, we've seen and heard uh, about President. in the news. Uh, but uh, one of the golf-related uh, uh, tangents that maybe come from some of those things that happened in D.C. over the past week is that the, the PGA of America has come out in and essentially said that the 2022 PGA Championship will be moving from Trump National. It will not be held there for obvious reasons. Uh, and, and I think from a local tie-in, J. Till, there's been a lot of uh, uh, Twitter, social media buzz out there that, uh, hey, our, our friends uh, up the, the turnpike in Tulsa at Southern Hills have essentially said, uh, we're ready. Uh, if you're really serious about moving this thing, uh, we could per- uh, potentially host this thing, slide right in, have back-to-back majors, if you want to think about it, right? we got the senior uh, event coming there in May, uh, uh, coming up later this year, but your thoughts on the PGA's uh, decision to move the tournament first and foremost, and then the likelihood of Southern Hills perhaps stepping in as a pinch hitter for 2022. Right. Well, yeah, I think that uh, we don't have any, we don't have a lot of own goals for this podcast. If we did, one of them certainly would not to become a political thread. And so what everything, our discussion here is absolutely not political. You know, uh, Mr. Mr. President, uh, President Trump is, regardless of his office, hat would I think everyone would agree is one of the most polarizing figures in the history of the world. I think that's fair. And so, when the PGA of America makes a decision to kind of distance themselves uh, from President Trump, uh, you know, again, if you don't have a lot of uh, angst around that, you probably uh, would understand it. And so, getting away from the politics of it, awesome potentially for the state of Oklahoma because, yes, Southern Hills is absolutely being discussed as a replacement. I have it on kind of good authority through my sources that it is being highly considered to host the 2022 PGA Championship. It's currently slated to host the 2030 PGA Championship, and so the only question there is would it literally slide up eight years? Would it maintain its 2030 spot? But this, uh, the excitement in my voice certainly has nothing to do with President Trump and more that it's moving 
and we have a chance here in Oklahoma to get it at, uh, by all accounts, no matter what list you look at, you know, a top 50 golf course in the entire world, one designed by the guy near and dear to our hearts, Mr. Perry Maxwell. And so, man, fingers crossed that that will happen. And, um, you know, because, you know, the other venues that have been thrown out of Valhalla, Liberty National, yeah, don't really do a lot for me, kind of like a lot of the PGA Championship venues, to tell you the truth. But, yeah, Southern Hills, that would be huge. And it seems to be set up well, having that tune-up here in May, everything in place. The only question is, really, in my mind, from a you know, corporate sponsorship standpoint, can Tulsa kind of you know bear the weight of back-to-back years of a major tournament? And that is a good question, right? Because they're huge undertakings, right? So essentially, you know, let's say that we get back to normal or some something close to it, right? And you think about the crowds and the money that kind of goes into hosting one of those events. I mean, yeah, that that's a fair question because doing it two years in a row, I mean, it's not it's not as easy as what people would probably think it is. Absolutely isn't. But I do think that Southern Hills is ripe and has the right kind of membership to make it happen if they want to make it happen. So not that it's all in the membership there, but I do think that uh, they have a really good chance of getting it. And uh, I would think that either alongside inauguration or right after, we'll, we'll have an idea, uh, if not an announcement, on where it's going. So uh, fingers crossed. Everybody that loves golf and likes to see Oklahoma get a lot of exposure should be rooting for that. And uh, if that happens, there's no doubt where we will be come, uh, what would that be, May uh, of 2022. 2022. Yep, you're absolutely right. We can make that happen. So, well, I, I guess if we want to stay in the vein of, of, of presidential themes here is that, you know, there was kind of some, some again, golf tangents that come from D.C. with regards to uh, awarding of presidential medal of freedoms uh, to two golfers, right? I guess three, uh, one uh, po- posthumously to right. uh, uh, the late, great uh, Babe Zaharis uh, on, on that front, but also to uh, Annika Sorenstam and uh, Gary Player. Now, I think there's been a lot of announcements for Presidential Medal of Freedoms to, for instance, Bill Belichick, right, in the football world, and he's essentially said, uh, thanks but no thanks. Uh, right. I, don't, I haven't heard an official announcement or didn't see anything this morning with regards to uh, uh, Soren Stamp and Gary Player, but – Perhaps, you know, they might follow suit as well. But uh, uh, what it, it is, it's kind of crazy, right? To, it's something that's supposed to be so revered and such a big deal that, you know, maybe uh, not so much at the moment. I don't know. It's kind of a weird weird vibe, right? It's a weird vibe, I think, at a minimum. And I think uh, on the other end, that yeah, that particular week, which you know, this happened last week, you know, yeah, delaying that, just uh, maybe not public. I don't know, something di- different than how it went down. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now it certainly wasn't publicized to the point to the to the level. I'm sorry that it normally is. In fact, I think both uh, Sorenstam and Gary Player have been very, very, very inactive <laughs> on social media and the like over the last week. But yeah, I think that it's one of those deals where you know, again, I feel it feels like morality police, right? Because Annika and Gary Player have done so much for the game of golf. And to get and put them into a situation normally would be quite deserving recipients, right? Quite deserving so, recipients, and even even still are. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, you know certainly Babe Zaharias and all that she did uh, way back, not only for golf but you know women's sport in general. I mean, yep, absolutely couldn't be somebody more deserving of a presidential medal of freedom for all the work that she did and the, kind of the, the barriers that she broke and whatnot. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, in this in- environment. 
Um, it, yeah, just again, morality police. It seems a little guy. I'm going to say this word, but selfish to not to go ahead with that based on all that's happened in the last ten days, uh, and either a ask for that to kind of be delayed, or b you know you know decline that for now, hoping that a future administration would would recognize you in a similar way. So it's tough, man. And and again, not we're not we're I'm bound to determine not to make this a politics thread. Uh, but it, it's a golf story, and it was a weird one. And I think that uh, all we can do is say congratulations uh, to both of those, again, well-deserving um, Medal of Freedom recipients, yet would probably question the judgment on uh, when and where and why. Yep, I agree. I agree. So, well, all right, that's the last political uh, politically charged or politically <laughs> related golf story that we're going to have today, I promise you. So, I, now, it's never... Too early for you, J. Till, I know, to talk a little bit about the Masters. Absolutely so, not. Right before we, I guess earlier today, I should say, not right before we started this pod, but Augusta National uh, sends out a press release regarding limited attendance for the Masters upcoming in April. Right, Essentially, they're going to follow the same protocols, procedures, and plan that they followed back in November uh, for you know, essential staff, the players, and then maybe just a handful of folks to kind of get in. So, you know, not necessarily the news that we would like, right? We want there to be 40,000 people there, right? Uh, As we're accustomed to in years past, but understandable given the timing uh, in the quick turnaround and then hoping that the vaccine rollout kind of, you know, maybe, maybe for 2022, obviously, I think we'll be in a better position to get back to normal, but not surprising, but certainly a big announcement from Augusta National regarding the Masters and uh, would be remiss if we didn't talk about it here, uh, knowing that uh, you would probably have some thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely have thoughts. And I think the the uh, limited attendance is, is awesome. I mean, at least we'll have... <laughs> Uh, maybe not roars, but some murmurs uh, around the golf course on Sunday afternoon. But uh, I think, uh, to for me personally, alongside of that announcement, or I guess in, uh, as a part of that announcement, they said that they are going to do the Augusta National Women's Amateur event. That uh, the first year of that was in 2019. 2020 was supposed to be the second year. They canceled that uh, to really try to limit everything about it to get the Masters um completed but that is coming back for 2021 and that's an event that was an awesome watch back in 2019 it really shows the spotlight on women's amateur golf i think the two players that fit were kind of in the final of that um maria fossey and jennifer cupcho are now out again just a mere you know year 18 months later doing great on the lpga tour and so alongside the fans which i think is is, is awesome and I, that, that perked me up quite a bit that event going on uh, alongside the Masters. And I believe how they do that is the uh, kind of Thursday, Friday, uh, it's at another golf course in Augusta. They get to play a practice round on Saturday if they qualify for kind of the finals and they play uh, on Sunday at Augusta National, which is, uh, I think, all golfers' dreams, but uh, certainly um, all female golfers look for that uh, corresponding honor uh, that the men have had for all these many years to be able to stroll down those fairways and play competitively. So, uh, yeah, huge announcement. Uh, happy to see that happening. And, you know, again, another fingers crossed that things at least maintain where they are over the next three months so that that event goes off. There are fans, and we start to creep back towards a master's normal that we all know and love. Yep, yep. And I think along those lines as well, J.T., you talk about other competitions. I think the youngsters, the drive, chip, and putt competition is going to take place as well, uh, kind of always there in conjunction with Masters Week, too. So so good to see the uh, the kiddos back out there uh, at uh, at Augusta, too. So, But you mentioned the ladies. 
And, and I want to get your thoughts on a big announcement that came out. Uh, LPGA commissioner Mike Wan essentially said, hey, guys, I'm getting ready to hang it up. This is going to be my last year here. Um, I, I don't know if anybody's announcement with regards to retiring, you know, comes at, at, a, at a perfect time or, or maybe it doesn't come as somewhat of a surprise or shock to others. But, you know, relatively young, right, 55 years old, sure. I think. And so uh, hasn't ruled out. There's a lot of speculation about, you know, maybe the USGA is going to kind of go after and kind of swoop in and have him uh, take over uh, next year as well or maybe later this year kind of regarding whenever terms kind of uh, lay over there uh, on their uh, their fiscal calendars or schedules. But uh, your thoughts on this and maybe what is in the future uh, for, for Mike Wan in that regard? Well, so again, it's really, and I've been very transparent that you know, it's only been the last two years that I've gotten into the LPGA and really started to appreciate it uh, like I espouse to now. And really, even over the last year, I've gotten to kind of read some stuff on Mike Wan, heard a couple of interviews of him, and just been damn impressed with the guy uh, when he speaks, the way he explains things, and uh, did a little bit of research to see that uh, the growth that the LPGA has had during his tenure over the last 10 or 11 years. I think, yeah, 2009, I think, or something like that. Unbelievable. Like any company, corporation, whatnot, would, would be... You know, drooling all over themselves to get the returns and the uh, the increase in earnings and the increase in player uh, purses that Mike Wan has seen happen under his watch. And so, while again, it's all about the talent and it's all about the uh, the Jimmys. Uh, what is what is Coach uh, Jimmys and Joes rather than X's, X's and O's? O's right. Uh, yeah. That absolutely is true in relation to a lot more girls are getting into golf um, young and really honing those skills and becoming dominant. Uh, women athletes out there, but somebody's got to kind of be at the controls and Mike Juan has done that. And yes, uh, absolutely. I think there is speculation that he's certainly not retiring, that he is going to go on and do something else. Not a really a golf guy per se, uh, in terms of like a blue blood, um, long-term been in the game a long time. So a lot of speculation around what he's going to do next. MLS has been mentioned. Yeah, I think that the the window there or his his uh, uh, comments were something along the lines of just in sports in general, right? So yeah, maybe maybe it's not Absolutely. necessarily golf or whatever his next stop but is. But I, yeah. I would say for anybody who has heard the name or even if you're hearing the name for the first time of Mike Wan, will not be the last we hear from him. Excited to see uh, where he. I wouldn't even say lands because that makes it sound like he's trying to parachute in. I think where it, uh, who's going to snatch him up yep. is going to be a story that we uh, will look at in 2021. If that happens to be uh, in the world of golf, certainly we will let you know what uh, transpires with that. And then maybe uh, across our kind of platform of podcasts, we'll make sure that Mike Wan's name uh, does not leave your consciousness uh, for eternity here. Yeah, but you, you mentioned it too. I mean, looking at from a bottom line perspective, whatever number – or metric you want to gauge as success over the last 10 years. I mean, he certainly has, has touched upon it, uh, whether it be pure numbers, whether it be revenue, as you mentioned, whether it be viewership on, on television for events, right? We just, you know, obviously talked at length, uh, at length, I should say six weeks ago about the, uh, the USGA, the women's, uh, us open down in uh, Houston and how, how much of a success that was despite the weather being a little, maybe a little chillier than, than what we would have, uh, preferred there, but just a, a tremendous event. They did a great job there. So yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, the bottom line numbers don't lie. And, uh, it's been a, a very successful tenure uh, there for for Mike Wan as LPGA commissioner. So, well, well, last news story kind of popped up here uh, earlier today, JT. And I know you've got thoughts on this as well. 
The WGC Mexico sounds like it's not going to be taking place in Mexico City as it has over the last, I think, three years, four years. I think it was 20, 2017 maybe is when it, wherever it moved to Mexico City. Main sponsor kind of pulling out if they're not going to be able to have the full participant, full full pay, uh, Patreon spectators there, um, probably obviously not going to change given that that tournament's coming up here, uh, not not to, not in the too distant future. But sounds like it may be headed to back to Florida, I guess, for a very uh, temporary run to see how things kind of play out there. But you know, your thoughts on the WGC making kind of a what would be considered a pretty late late in the game move, right? Oh, absolutely late in the game move. You know, it's normally late February, early March in terms of <clears throat> its spot on the PGA Tour calendar, at least the, the more recent renditions. Uh, kind of the, the OG of uh, leaving a Trump golf course uh, tournament. Yeah, the Doral. Uh, yeah, Doral yeah. used to be its host spot. Uh, the uh, what was Which called? I played that course before down Have you really? Yeah, I have. Okay, That's one yeah. of the... Blue Monster, a, as they call it. The year that OU played uh, uh, Florida in the okay, Orange Bowl yeah. for the National 2008, 2009. Yeah. I, I played that course, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it is uh, it moved to Mexico for for several years, and really, uh, you know, kind of hearkening back to our comments about what are your favorite tournaments to watch that aren't majors. Uh, that was one that was always very interesting because yeah, you had you're at altitude and the ball's going crazy distances and the course is totally nuts, and so it was a fun one. And so it's a shame, and I, I have heard or at least have read that. It, there's a chance that it might be a, a temporary move, and it could find its way back to Mexico city, but yes, for next year, it's looking like it is going to Florida and, uh, kind of some late breaking news. It sounds like, uh, a, uh, a golf course called concession in Bradenton, Florida is it's likely landing spot. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep you apprised obviously when that comes up in the PGA tour schedule, if nothing else, we'll let you know where it landed, what it's going to be looking like, but you know, it, the, WGC and World Golf Championships, it's kind of a misnomer. You know, really, I think Mexico is the only one that does, that happened outside of the United States. Uh, so, you know, if anything, they need to really look at how can we expand worldwide with these championships if it's truly going to be what they intended it to be. But nonetheless, we're leaving Mexico City. We're leaving uh, Chapultepec was the name of the golf course. Hate to hear it. But in COVID times, if we have a golf tournament at all, we are happy people. We have a sponsor. We're even happier. If we have quality golfers show up, we're thrilled. Yeah, and that, that'll be interesting to see how the move and how the potential, you know, they talked about if, you know, sponsor pulling out, you know, would the purse perhaps uh, shrink a little bit and how that may play into it. But, uh, you know, we, we've come to know these WGC golf events over the last, what, 10 years or so to become sure. premier events, right? So they usually draw pretty good fields. We think about the match play uh, WGC that, uh, that, that uh, one of the four, I think, uh, on, on an awesome. annual basis, yeah. right? So, and maybe one of the, the WGCs, or if not all of them, might make it into our uh, discussion with regards to the, the best non-major uh, tournaments that we're going to be talking about uh, next week or uh, the weekend after kind of kind of filling out some schedules there to figure out when we're going to discuss that but it's on the board uh, for future podcast topics so well well, jtl i want to move ahead on the big board here and talk a little bit about the upcoming college golf spring season right so we've uh, uh, big fans of obviously in-state golf you think about the programs here both ou and oklahoma state tremendous golf programs here from a collegiate standpoint right we've talked about some of the uh, former sooners and uh, and and cowboys uh, out there on 
on the PGA Tour. But, I mean, the golf season is is nearing, man. It's getting close, right? Just in, in a few weeks, it's going to start firing back up. But, you know, I, I think over the next, what, four weeks, we're going to kind of start taking a deep dive into each one of the in-state uh, programs, uh, 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 golf setup, right? So whether it be the OU men's, OU women's, Oklahoma State men's, Oklahoma State women's programs, and kind of uh, touch on that and kind of dive into the schedule and what we can expect perhaps from these programs moving forward. So, you know, I want to tee you up here and uh, I guess we'll start with OU men, right? Their schedule's out, so we kind of have a little bit more insight about uh, what uh, Coach Hibble's squad is going to look like moving forward uh, here in the uh, weeks to come. Well, you have said it a couple times on the pod and alluded to it there, just an embarrassment of riches uh, that we have in the state of Oklahoma when it comes to collegiate golf. Focused a lot, certainly historically, on Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma has come on very strong uh, in the last decade and had some uh, obviously high finishes when it comes to the national championship scene, winning the whole thing back in. 2017 and so there's been a kind of a it's kind of been nice to have a little bedlam rivalry and it actually means something in golf that both programs there have been strong on the men's side but don't sleep on the ladies uh, we talked a little bit about just kind of offline text thread type of stuff where uh, I, I'd forgotten that the OU women had gotten as high as number two in the kind of the golf stat rankings yeah, I think out it there finished just outside the top 10 or something yeah, like so, that was it 11 or 12 somewhere in that ballpark so yeah. all four yeah. programs Real good program. are really uh really strong and that's we, we mean, we'll at some point hopefully uh be able to give some time to even more local stuff when it comes to OCU which always has a really strong program at their level uh, of play but just yeah, starting you know again we as the schedules come out, we will kind of give you a little bit of insight because, again, for those of you who are golf sickos or are starting to be golf sickos, like you, you start to kind of, I can't get enough. And a lot of times these college events are, uh, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You're able to check that out out on the golf channel uh, when these things are going on. But, uh, you know, the men's golf scene, as far as OU goes, run down just very quickly. They're going to kick off the season down at the Golf Club of Houston, which uh, used to be the Houston Open site for many years. A tournament called the All-American kicks off on Valentine's Day. And then just the rundown in terms of the courses they're going to play, they're going to play the Cabo Collegiate. Uh, it's not a mistake. Normally it is played in Cabo. And this year, because of the COVID, we're going to be at TPC San Antonio. Uh, then we go to enemy territory, uh, UT Golf Club, actually home course of the University of Texas, uh, I need to research this. It's called the George Hannon. I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll do some in-depth research and get our sources on the ground in Austin to tell us a little bit more about that. Then we're going out to Tucson, Arizona. Always good weather pretty much any time of the year, kind of in that spring break time out at the Omni Tucson. Probably the one I'm most excited about outside of the Big 12 Championship down in Naples at a place called Calusa Pines. By all accounts, this place is an absolutely sick golf course very tough very good architecture so uh first uh weekend in april i guess uh, sunday monday tuesday of april the calusa cup before we go down again man a lot of a lot of texas golf you know uh, it's kind of kind of a tough scene here going down into uh, below the red river but the aggie invitational and traditions golf course in bryan texas kind of rounds out the uh i guess the invitational um schedule and then another one we're absolutely most excited about the Big 12 championship 
uh, at a at a course that we are very very interested to getting Absolutely. a look at headed, headed north right so so going north this time so that's kind of nice so you mentioned all the Texas tournaments yeah but up at Prairie Dunes there in Hutchinson Kansas uh, just a little uh, hop skip and a jump uh, away from Wichita and and we're working on it. I think it's fair to go ahead and inform our listeners right so we're we're trying to make a YSO you're still out golf podcast remote we're we are, gonna, we are efforting gonna find a way to make it happen to be up there for the big 12 tournament uh there in Hutchison Kansas to uh to, to root on not only our Sooners but obviously uh, the Cowboys and the, and the Pokes uh, from Stillwater as well and just watch some good college golf and again to have such a, a really cool event be relatively close uh from a, from a driving distance if you're thinking about here in the uh, Oklahoma City metro area or perhaps Stillwater or Tulsa or wherever uh, you're listening to this uh, uh pod from but uh yeah super excited about that end of April uh and again we are we're we're trying to we're f- trying to figure out this whole press pass thing right so we're kind of kind of new to this Jason, <laughs> so what do you mean you haven't heard of our podcast <laughs> That's right so disrespect we, uh, uh but uh, but yeah maybe our listeners can help us out with that right so we we get more likes and more downloads <laughs> That uh, we'll, we'll uh, uh, gain more credibility amongst the. Uh, the, the we have to get over twenty <laughs> listeners, everybody. Come on, help us out here. We love you guys. Uh, take take us to Prairie Dunes. <laughs> yeah, but looking forward to that uh, again. End of April, uh, gonna gonna head up there and uh, and do some uh, some live remotes, uh, perhaps, and hopefully get some interviews out of it as well. So looking forward to uh, uh, end of April to make that happen. So awesome, yeah. Looking forward to college golf, OSU, OU are absolutely. I mean. Well, the women's programs are doing very well, as I mentioned. The men's programs are absolutely stacked. Yeah, premier. Great year. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about it and try to get all you golf sickos to pay attention to that college golf scene. You'll enjoy it. You'll be better for it. And uh, check out some cool venues along the way. Yep, absolutely. So, well, JTL, let's move back to, to the pros. And, and let's talk a little bit about the upcoming Sony Open uh, this weekend. Again, the guy's staying out in Hawaii, right? So we had the uh, the Tournament of Champions this past week there uh, uh, at the Plantation Course. They're moving over to, uh, I think it's, it's Wiley, right? Country Wailai. Club? Yeah, Wiley. Okay, yeah. And Honolulu there on the Big Island. Uh, looking forward to this. Again, a, a really a stacked field, right? So, again, a, a normal field, I guess we should say, uh, back to 140-plus golfers, whatever it is. It's, I think it's 142 currently is what's in the field. Uh, Cam Smith, your defending champ uh, from uh, last year. Your boy. Uh, my guy, right? Hey, I picked him to win the Masters this year in our way too early uh, major preseason predictions from a couple of weeks ago. But talk to us a little bit about Wiley, what we can, what, what we can expect there. Uh, from Honolulu, and then maybe a little bit about the field and uh, what you're anticipating coming up this weekend at the Sony Open, bud. Well, second tournament of the uh, Hawaii Swing. If it's only two tournaments, I don't know if it can really be called a swing. But uh, nevertheless, coming over from Maui and the Tournament of Champions at the Plantation Course of Kapalua to Wailai. Couldn't be two more different uh, golf courses uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the plantation course being this kind of big, burly, a lot of elevation change, long, the scenic views, all that that goes into it. Wailai, why it is uh, right on the ocean, as pretty much everything in Hawaii is, is a lot more flat, a um, lot shorter. I want to say that it only, if we looked this up before the pod, and I've already forgotten, right at 7,000 yards, I believe is what it's going to play yeah, at. 7,044. As a par yeah. 70, uh, which again, par is relevant, but... That generally leads to uh, different types of players being able to compete in this. You mentioned Cam Smith winning last year. Uh, Not that he's a short hitter because nobody out there is, but somebody who is certainly not considered a bomber. Great putter, great short game, and was able to get it done. The golf course itself, uh, Seth Rayner 
was the architect way back in 1927, one of those golden age architects. This is definitely a tournament that a lot of the the golf architecture nerds get excited about because there's not a lot of classic designs that are used on the PGA Tour because you do need to have a big ballpark to hold these guys in. But time to time, get a little bit of the wind blowing. It does get uh, does get pretty difficult. And so this is another one just on the golf course alone. Hopefully people will tune into should have a similar TV schedule where you can do kind of a primetime golf viewing on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, some of those late tea times around five o'clock our time. So it's yeah, yeah kind of nice tea off right maybe as we get off work. You on the weekend yeah. where you kind of get that football in early and watch some golf in the evening. But a uh, lot of great holes out at Awilai and generally produces some drama. Uh, kind of the, uh, the trademark uh, behind the 16th green, the, and a palm trees in the in the shape of a W. Um, very cool stuff. It's one you should tune into. I, again, I'm always excited about the Hawaii events because it ushers in what to me is the new season of golf. I know technically it's still the same season, blah, 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 wrap around. But I'm excited about it just like I was last week. And you just can't beat feeling like you're in Hawaii at a time during here in Oklahoma that uh, is far from it. And so, uh, yeah, Cam Smith defending champ. Solid field, and then we're going to get into picks short, quick, and in a hurry. Uh, but, yeah, full field this week and the first full field event of the new calendar year. I'll tell you one of the things I remember about the Wiley, uh Golf Club or Country Club is that there was, I don't know if it was Super Nintendo or Nintendo 64, J. Till, but there was one of the golf games that came out, yep. and it was based right. on, on Wiley. I remember that. I remember seeing the picture there of the palm trees, as you mentioned, yep. kind of in the W and stuff. And that was that was one of the... Uh, the the cooler uh, golf games whenever it first came out. And again, obviously golf games. You you think about PGA two K two one and all those that they they've advanced a little bit since those days. We're dating ourselves here a little bit with Super Nintendo and N sixty four. But that was a fun game from what I remember. So yeah, it was a fun game. And we'll, uh, we will uh, hold hold ourselves to account to have the uh, the sports pros Twitter feed uh, tweet out a picture of the the palm trees we're talking about for those who are having a little bit of trouble visualizing it. But uh, really cool look. And uh, certainly is the uh, the highlight of this tournament the first time that pops up on TV. Now, then they talk about it 600 more times, and it gets really old. It does come up a bit, yeah. But yeah, yeah. nevertheless, it, it is cool. And, uh, yeah, the, the Super Nintendo, I did somewhat forget about that. But you're right. This was one of those courses. Yeah, well, well let's get into some picks here, JT. So, as always, right, so we, we want to uh, try to uh, imbue our – uh, progni- prognostication skills and betting talent uh, to our listeners out there so they can uh, maybe make a few sh- shekels off of the uh, of the golf picks. So whether you're in daily fantasy or whether you have your own uh, golf leagues or whether you're just out there kind of you know, taking a punt and want to want to make a bet on somebody to win it outright. And so we've got you know different tiers here, right? We got winner, we've got our top tenner, We've got a cut maker, and we've got a dark horse. So, again, all the odds we're going to give you are the odds for that particular golfer to win the tournament outright, right? I know a lot of uh, betting sites allow you to uh, make a bet on a guy to make a top 10 or or merely make the cut, right? So the odds are dramatically uh, reduced in that regard. But where do we want to start, J.T.? We want to start at the bottom. We want to start at the middle. You know, how how do we want to start this off? Again, kind of, you know, really the first in-studio picks that we're kind of making here uh, for a a golf tournament this year. So want to want to start things off on the right foot with you here, bud. Absolutely. Well, I, I think uh, you know, maybe not every single week, but it kind of makes sense to leave folks hanging a little bit as to who we're picking to take home the title. So uh, let's just kind of work uh, at least bottom up as we're looking at it here on the 
on the big board. Start with the dark horse, and I'm I'm happy to go first. You know, uh, you you have honors. Uh, I think you pretty much won 2020 from a golf pick'em standpoint. And, so I will uh, defer to you. Yeah, this particular we we kind of we kind of traded picks, and we know who each other are picking, so we don't have to worry about any overlaps or uh, any any stolen picks, so to speak. But you know, contrary to what a lot of picks are made on, which would be recent form, I'm going to go with my dark horse as Mackenzie Hughes. So he's at a hundred to one, which is a little bit surprising given the 2020 that he had. He made the tour championship. And because of that, again, Very uh, consistent. a little bit yeah. tongue in cheek is why he was in the quote tournament of champions, even though he did not win an event. Can't say that enough. Cause it cracks me up. Dark horse at a hundred to one. It seems like somebody that really to me should be a lot higher than a hundred, a uh, hundred to one. And so give me Mackenzie Hughes, the pride of Canada, uh, the man who can take it deep when he wants to. Uh, this course should fit him, being a little bit shorter. He is a good putter, uh, good wind player. If the wind does get up, probably does favor him a little bit. So give me Mackenzie Hughes to have a great finish this week as my dark horse. Like it, like that pick a lot. So I, I'm going to stick with uh, for dark horse purposes again, kind of reminding our listeners out there. That's usually a golfer that's a 100. Uh, to one or greater to win the tournament, right? There's been condensed fields where, where we've relaxed those rules a little bit in the past, but uh, back to a full field here. So we'll go back to 100 to one or greater to win the tournament. And I'm going to go with a fellow bald golfer. Again, one of the best bald tan lines out there. Mm, the hat tan. Yeah, Stewie Sink, man. So going to go with Stewie Sink. He actually played pretty good last week at the Century Tournament of Champions and Almost Champions, I guess if you want to call it. Although Stewie Sink, he did, I think he did win a tournament. He actually did win yeah, a tournament. So he, he yeah, again, his, so when you think about yeah, Kinsey Hughes, throw Stewart shade. Sink, like who didn't win a tournament? You would think it's, it's surprising, Sink, yeah. But yeah. Stewie got it done out in Napa. That's right. Uh, first tournament of the new year. So we can't sleep on the hat tan. Nothing wrong with that pick is the dark horse, somebody who has good form. Uh, yeah, finished both. middle of the pack yeah. uh, last week at the uh, at the TOC. So uh, not uh, uh, crazy from an off-form standpoint. And again, probably getting a little bit of value there uh, at 100 to 1. So I'll go with Stewie Sink as my dark horse pick. So uh, cut maker. Kind of just moving up the board here. Who's definitely going to make the cut? Yeah, cut maker t- to me, and we've talked about this in pods in the past, is somebody who you know it doesn't doesn't have great odds to win the tournament, and probably a little bit of a long shot from that perspective. But you would think you you have a feeling that they they are going to to play well that particular week, see all four days of the tournament. This is a and this is an actual cut event versus last week where everybody played all four rounds. But interestingly enough, if you would have told me, okay. Charles Howell, who's going to be my cut maker pick, you know, CH3, uh, Chucky, Chucky Three Sticks, I believe a lot of folks call him, and Mackenzie Hughes, like their odds, I would have probably thought it was flip flop. You know, Charlie Howell only at 50 to 1 versus Mac Hughes 100 to 1. I, I would have probably said Mac Hughes is definitely going to make the cut. Charles Howell's a great dark horse pick. I get to flip flop him this week based on odds because uh, Charles is at 50 to 1. So give me him as the cut maker. The most consistent man on the PGA Tour. He's made a fortune from simply making cuts. See no reason why he's not going to do it this week. So give me the OSU alum, Mr. Charles Howe III. All right, like that pick. Well, along those same lines, I'm going to go with a guy who's currently at 40-1. to So, again, kind of a little further down the pack from an odd standpoint. You mentioned this being a shorter course, JTO, right? So playing just over 7,000 total yards, par 70. 
I'm going to go with Zach Johnson at 40 to one, right? I know that he, he is just form, place up. Yeah, his form has been, you know, kind of a hit or miss here uh, down the, the stretch from the second half of 2020 and stuff. But, you know, this is a shorter course, right? So you don't need to be a super long hitter to kind of get around out here, right? He's pretty solid from an iron play standpoint. And so, um, you know, wouldn't shock me uh, if he makes the cut, but obviously maybe even, you know, finishes in the top 20 or something like that, top 15 and plays pretty well here. So I'll go Zach Johnson for my cut maker at 40 to 1, a slightly uh, a lower odds than what you got there, bud. But let's go top 10. So, who's our lock for top tenors this week? Top 10 lock for me is a guy who's going to have an amazing 2021, build on the success of the last two years. Uh, Boomer Sooner, Mr. Honest Abe Answer at 22 to 1. I think he will challenge to win the golf tournament this weekend. But definitely lock into that top 10. I expect a big year out of Abe. I actually picked Abe in a league where I'm stuck with him or get to keep him, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) Depends on how he plays, right? (laughs) All year long. So I have hitched my wagon to Abe Answer, among a few other guys, and need it to start this week. So this is a, a heart pick. And a head pick, which is the best kind of picks to make. Love it, love it. And so, if you, if anyone out there, I don't know if they needed to check your credentials, Jay Till, from a golf sicko standpoint. The man's in a season long golf league, fantasy golf league, <laughs> where you, you pick six golfers at the beginning of the year and you keep those guys for throughout the entirety of the year. Right, goes all the way through the FedEx Cup and stuff. So yeah, that's got to be committed to your squad. That's a that's a commitment there, <laughs> a borderline, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> mental issue, I well, think. But uh, bona fides. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Kudos to you, bud. So, well, my my top center, I'm going to go with Adam Scott, right? So, plus 3,300, uh, 33 to 1 there. Uh, one of the most handsome men in all of golf and maybe all of sports as well. So, yeah, so dreamy. Uh, he uh, he played uh, last week uh, as well at the uh, the TOC. Solid and again, uh, played played pretty well there. And so, I uh, like him to kind of stay on that form. And I don't you get into all the weird stuff, right? It's like, well, the Australian guys, maybe they're closer to, to Hawaii or whatever it is. I don't know. You think about body clocks and uh, circadian rhythms and all kinds of other goofy, goofy crap, which you can probably throw that out the window. I don't know if it matters a whole lot here, but I'm going to go with Adam Scott nonetheless at 33 to 1 as my top tenor. And I guess I should say, I want to follow up too. Abe Answer. I'm excited to see his fashion apparel this coming week. Are we talking golf fashions? Uh, uh, that, that's, a, that's a big deal yeah, on this podcast. And Abe always yeah, brings it with yeah. a little something, very classy. A little Hawaiian flair this week. So yeah, I think we could see Aloha Friday yeah. and him don a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a Hawaiian print, if you will, somewhere in the uh, in the kit yep. as, uh, as the as the soccer folks like very to call it. very fashionable Abe answer so looking forward to to seeing what he trots out there this weekend as well but I guess we've we've again built up to it. the suspense is here my friend so who's who's gonna win this thing this weekend J Till who's your pick to win the Sony Open this weekend my pick to win is Mr Daniel Berger and this is a guy who continues to be forgotten really in the world of golf he comes out like dominating after the shutdown. After the COVID, I guess, lull, if you will, uh, wins down at Colonial, probably playing the best golf of anybody in the first month to six weeks coming out of the shutdown. And, you know, a lot of hubbub was made about him not being able to play in the Masters, even though he was the 13th ranked player in the world. Comes back after not going to play a lot of tournaments, has really good finishes in the fall. Uh, I think he played two events after the Masters. And then last week, you know, was really, for the most part, right there uh, all week long. Faltered a little bit on Sunday, but ultimately got a top 10 over in Maui. So give me uh, DB straight vibing, baby. Uh, 16 to 1 to win the golf tournament. Uh, 
will be riding hard for him, even though he's not on my uh, year-long squad. Yeah, the, the strange bedfellows that fantasy sports and gambling uh, creates, bud. So you know, you're you're going to be torn this week. I mean, no, I like I like it. That's a good pick. I think you're getting some good value there. Uh, a guy who's been on a heater, uh, as we say, of late, and at sixteen to one. Uh, good value there. Well, I'm going to go uh, with a guy at 20 to 1 currently, although he played last weekend and played pretty well. I think he missed the playoff by two or three strokes, 21, 22 under, give or take. Uh, but it's it's your guy, typically. Uh, I will that's say a that, yeah, little bit of, a little bit of a steal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stole him from you there. 20 to 1. Again, the, the South Korean machine. Man, again, we, we've talked about, Absolute you know, kind of the, the uh, I guess, eccentric nature, if you want to call it that, right? The man kind of lives out of a suitcase and just goes from one tournament to the next. Uh, but he just absolutely is, is about as consistent a golfer as you're going to find, yeah, I think, right I, now. I so. totally agree. I, I wanted him so bad in the year-long league. Couldn't pull the trigger on taking a number one because literally I had the second. I had the second I'm, pick, so I'd take DJ. Yeah, I was going to say where, where did he go? Because you would think he'd go relatively higher because of the consistency, right? He went. He went pretty high. Uh, yet I, I again, I, I, I it took fourteen picks to get back to me, so he was gone before I could uh, take him with my second pick. Had to take DJ. Yeah, that's uh, with fair. My first yeah. pick, but uh, yeah, Sung Jay. Everybody who listens to this on a regular basis knows how much I ride for the man. And uh, excited to see what he's going to do this year. You know, in our in our picks with uh, Chad, you know, Sungjae didn't really come up as winning a major, but would not surprise me yeah, if he uh, if he knocked one off in 2021. Because again, the putter gets just a little bit hot, and this guy is going to score birdies in bunches. So, anytime you're going to pick Sungjae, wholeheartedly agree. This is this is a rare week where I hope you beat me. <laughs> I, that that will be rare if I do beat you. So maybe maybe not so much the hope, but the actual uh, making it happen. But yeah, you talk about uh, fairways and greens. He's just as consistent as they come. And again, played really well last week. I think he finished 21 under, if I'm not mistaken, to miss the playoff by uh, uh, three or four shots there at the end. So he's, uh, he's in good form. And we saw what he was able to do uh, at the Masters back in November, right? So finished in that tie for second uh, with uh, with Cam Smith, uh, defending champion here of the Sony Open, kind of tying it all together. So, well, we're up against the hour mark, bud. So we always go into this thinking like, hey, look, you know, uh, the, the, the big board looks a little bare. I don't know if we're going to have a, uh, enough to talk about to fill an hour, and uh, never it never fails. Well, right? So it, it always it goes does, by so it fast. It never fails. Now, I will say, if, if we have another week, to 10 days like we had the last 10 days <laughs> in the world of golf and news. Maybe just like, in the world in general. Please, honestly, like as much as we like to fill out content on this pod, please know. Like, let us just have a week where we just talk about the run-of-the-mill PGA Tour tournament. But, uh, yeah, big, big agenda on the pod this evening and a lot of fun to talk about. But uh, – I will say that if we had a week with a little bit less news, maybe one one of those kind of topics a week would be a little bit better. But I am in I'm in midseason form on watching golf. I'm loving it and excited about everything that's coming up here in the next few weeks. Uh, and you know, always like a teaser. I think that we're going to get more and more into bringing folks on, uh, whether that be roundtables or special interviews, uh, to let people hear from folks in golf that they want to hear from and. Maybe even some they don't know they want to hear from. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of things in the works right now. We're excited. It's going to be a big 2021 for the uh, the YSO pod. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, bud. So we're off to a great start. Uh, that's for sure. So now you mentioned you're going to tweet out a picture of the Palm Tree Ws. So get that picture for out. Our, our listeners out there, how can they get at you, JT? What so you, where you at? Social media. If bud. you're not already following me, at Jonathan Teal is my Twitter handle. At Jonathan W. 
Teal on Instagram. I'm going to get that picture out of Wildlife Country Club with the awesome, iconic palm trees to give you a little something to get fired up about golf starting on Thursday. That's where you're going to find me on social. And then obviously, as a platform, we're uh, hot and heavy out there with Sports Pros Network. Keith, tell us about it. Absolutely. Again, you you can keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. Again, that's a pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. A lot of, uh, lot of NFL wildcard action on the Twitter this weekend, and a lot of national championship uh, tweets last night as well. So I was kind of following along with that. A lot of football there, but uh, going to be plenty of golf uh, to uh, to tweet about uh, this weekend, man. So I'm looking forward to the Sony Open. But, so. Me too. Well, again, brother, I appreciate you being in studio with me again this week and uh, certainly look forward to doing it again next week. And I will see you Friday uh, afternoon at Chalk. So, so again, remember everyone, uh, follow us on Twitter at sports underscore pros or check us out on the web at fantasysportspros.com. And again, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, hit them straight.